a doctor in the house. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is All right. in. Yeah, I'm pumped up. You can't, you can't not be pumped up to hear that and know that Dr. Batar is about to appear, except that he just flew in from Vegas, and he's, like, not pumped up like I am. So he said, you got to pump me up, Robert, and we're going to do it. Dr. Batar is back. Welcome, my friend. Robert, you know, hearing that uh, introduction, though, always does kind of wake me up. And uh, I am exhausted from the strip in Vegas, and to me, that's the most that's the most unlikely place for me to ever visit. And if it wasn't for a conference, I wouldn't have even gone there, but... It really does pump me up to hear that. The introduction is really good. I really like that. I, I don't hear that often myself, but I really got to send it out to Don. That was, that's really an awesome job. Yeah, Super Don really did it. And like I said, I get excited every time, you know, for, for a lot of reasons. We get together and have a good time. But the reality is you're here now. No excuses, even though you just got in from Vegas. We got to talk. I got, no pun intended, Alzheimer's on my mind. Why? Because another uh, another celebrity has gone on the record, going to Congress, saying we need more attention. Now, I understand the, uh, the thing about focus, attention, all of that. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I want you to hear before we launch into this this hour, we played some audio from Seth Rogen. He was on one of the news shows being interviewed about this question of Alzheimer's, its research, and he went to Congress and he asked the experts, and let's find out what they say so we can get to hear what you say, Dr. Batar. So go ahead and run that clip, Tom. Black or do we know anything one. we didn't know before? Um, I mean, I was just at this uh, hearing and there were people who know much more about this than I do testifying. And the overall um, answer they seem to have to that question is they don't know. It seems like the biggest problem is that they don't have enough money to fund the ideas they have to pursue these avenues of thought. It seems like they're not even quite at the place where they can answer those questions because the money is so inconsistent that they they don't know. All right. The, the question was about Alzheimer's, uh, you know, because the, the guy, uh, Chris Matthews, said, what about aluminum? Is that part of it? And immediately Seth Rogen says, well, they said the expert says they don't they don't know. We need more money. In fact, we, we don't even have enough money to come up with an idea or to explore the ideas we have that we're not telling you. I mean, is that does that sound like a real answer? the question, Robert, and again, I know that this is a rhetorical question that you're asking me, but since mm -hmm. we're going to play this game and go through this exercise, let's go through this exercise in even a more fundamental way. So let's say you've got a problem with your car, mm -hmm. and you need to figure out what's wrong with your car, and you go to a mechanic, or you go to an association of mechanics, and they say that we don't even know what question to ask to fix your car. Are you going to then say, okay, let me get money throw it at you and hope that you come up with a concept that we might be able to pursue? Or would you say, you're a bunch of imbeciles, I'm going to go somewhere else where they do have an answer? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if somebody's saying up front that we don't even know where to start, why would you give them money? Why not just give money to the hockey team or to the Cub Scouts and let them come up with a solution <laughs> yes. for Alzheimer's? Because at least 
you know, they're going to be starting at the same point. The only difference is that they have a fresh perspective. Einstein's definition of insanity was to keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Well, that's exactly what these these groups, these uh, Alzheimer's experts are doing. And in all honesty, they know what the truth is. I mean, the, the, the truth is known. It's just, it's depressed. It's considered not to be something that should be even talked about. And, you know, it's so ironical that we're talking about this very subject because the subject of my new book that's coming out hopefully in the next few months, which has been done for a mm-hmm. year and a half, we're just trying to find a publisher that has the cojones to actually put it out there. Can I say that on the air, or is that also be... Yes, yeah, I actually used the same word cojones last hour, so you're, you're in. You're I'm in. kosher. Okay, good. <laughs> but, uh, you know, suppression of a medical miracle, and the subject matter is regarding a treatment that we've talked about so often on the show, Robert, chelation, the removal of heavy metals, and Alzheimer's, as well as autism, as well as all the neurological developmental delays, all these components, even down to atherosclerosis, uh, coronary artery uh, disease, uh, peripheral right. vascular disease, cerebral vascular disease, which is all basically the affecting, affecting of the vascular tree, but whether it's in the brain, in the heart, or in the periphery, even those pathologies, uh, cancer, all these different things are one of the things that contribute to them is heavy metals. As you know, Robert, that's in the seven toxicities in my philosophy, the seven toxicities that I cover in the book, the very first toxicity is heavy metals. Well, heavy metals, specifically in the case of Alzheimer's and autism, is the etiological component, is the cause that results in the denudation of the neurofibrils. And this isn't even just my philosophy or my theory. Forget about the fact that we've treated over 1,900 cases of autism in my clinic and over 30,000 children worldwide have been treated using our protocol at the Autism One Conference. You're going to be with me, Robert. We're going to be talking more about Mm -hmm. this. But also the Alzheimer's aspect, we've had two patients completely serendipitously treated for heavy metals because they came for something else, but they have heavy metals, they had mercury on board, start treating them. One had a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, one had a diagnosis of adult-onset dementia. All, uh, both of them were independently diagnosed, th- a third-party neurologist, nothing to do with us. We didn't make the diagnosis. And one within six months, one within seven months of us treating them for the heavy metal were able to reestablish their own uh, lives by regaining their power of attorney because they had to give them up to fi- uh, family members. They weren't able to drive. They weren't able to take care of their own bank accounts, their own households, etc. They were able to regain their ability to conduct their own affairs by us simply removing heavy metals from their systems, and they both happen to have high levels of mercury. We got rid of the mercury, and just ironically, boom, their brains come back. Now, you know that's not ironic. There's nothing ironic about mm-hmm. it. It's the mercury that causes the denudation of the neurofibrils that no other heavy metal causes. Other heavy metals do cause oxidative stress. They do cause a slight deterioration in functioning of the neurons. There's other aspects and other pathologies and other etiologies that contribute to this, but it's mercury that causes the denudation. No other metal causes the same level of damage to the neuron as does mercury. And in fact, you can go to Google, you can go to YouTube, type in University of Calgary snail brain. Just type that in. University of Calgary snail brain. And you will see video documentation of the denudation of neurofibrils caused by mercury being introduced into a Petri dish, not even direct contact with the neurons. And in less than 20 minutes, it's like the Wicked Witch of the West, and water is being poured on her, and, she, and the neurons just shrivel up. 
Well, Dr. Batar, why is it that, uh, let's say, a mainstream news reporter uh, would ask this Hollywood celebrity about aluminum, right? Obviously, the word got out about some heavy metals. How is it that that one got out and, and no one else that you hear normally talking or asking the question, could mercury have anything to do with it? But aluminum is something that is brought up. Well, it's interesting that even copper has been brought up. And in USA Today, there was a story about copper being the cause of Alzheimer's because of a scientific publication that came out about eight years ago. But it was interesting that the researcher that put that out there actually knows Boyd Haley, who's a good friend of mine. And Boyd told me that the reason that they put down copper was he knew that it wasn't the copper wasn't the problem. It was actually mercury. But the same substances that bind to copper, i.e. DMPS, the same chelators that bind to mercury will also bind to copper very readily. And so his thought was, if I say copper and they start using copper chelators, they will... um, as a side effect, pull out the mercury, and it'll help with the individual's brain function. And that's why they put it out as copper, because they knew that if they put mercury, it would not be published. You see, mercury is still used in amalgams. Mercury is still used in uh, vaccines. Mercury is still used in the medical system. It's used as a preservative in ophthalmic uh, drops. It used to be used in, it was taken out of canine and equine vaccines back in the 80s and the 90s, so the vets are only 15, 20 years ahead of us. But in, in the human vaccines, as you know, in thimerosal, ethyl mercury. So because mercury is used so much already in the medical profession, they can't say that mercury causes the problem. So they put it on other things. Like aluminum is not readily used in medicine. Aluminum is not something that is um, commonly used for anything. So they can blame it on the aluminum. It's kind of like what you and I talked about before in the show, not last time, but the time before that, Robert, about you, you blame it on mm-hmm. A virus, you don't blame it on the toxicity because if you blame it on toxicity, then you imply um, the industrial complex. So you don't want to blame any type of industry, so you blame it on a virus, and then you create a vaccine for the virus and you go after the virus, the virus hunters. Well, here it's the same type of thing. They're picking on a different metal that's not going to cause anybody to have any uh, liability. Whereas if you blame it on mercury and you bring it up to the uh, forefront, that all the industry in the medical industry is already using mercury throughout the system. And again, you and I both know there's a much higher agenda over here, a much more sinister agenda than just using something that's uh, that's cheap like mercury. But you know, that goes off into another tangent right. that we tend to always go off onto. <laughs> no, no, it's good. And, and I think your, your point is, is well taken, or it should be, uh, that if they're going to admit to some toxicological cause, it would certainly be better to do one that's more diffuse and not as uh, focused that we can say, aha, see, we're, we're, that's where they're getting it. Although we have seen more reliance on aluminum being added into vaccines because of its evidently a hyperstimulatory role on the immune system. It aggravates it. They call it as a, an adjuvant to aggravate and really stimulate what they hope to happen, an antibody response. When we come back from this break, we're going to talk with Dr. Rasha Bittar about that as well, plus... Go into a little more depth on the reversal that's already happening with Alzheimer's. Are you listening, Seth Rogen? We got the cures. We got the reversals. We got the healing. Read the nine steps to keep the doctor away. Dr. Batar's international bestseller. All of it is linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Reversing Alzheimer's. Even more after the break. to the Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
all Alzheimer's be near, be on the horizon? Well, the answer is no. What? Don't bum me out. No, the answer is it's already here. Yes, you just heard Dr. Batar acknowledge it. We're going to go into it a little bit more right now. It's Advanced Medicine Monday on the Robert Scott Bell Show. If you ever miss the special editions that we do each and every Monday, you can also go to medicalrewind.com and be linked into a whole plethora of great information, including hundreds of hours of Dr. Batar and I letting loose on these subjects. And uh, Dr. Batar, you're letting loose beautifully on this Alzheimer's subject. Robert, it's so preposterous that people think that we don't know what the cause is and what the solution is when we've gone to the moon and when we can take the Library of Congress and put it in a drive no bigger than our hand and we can go to the other side of the world in 12 hours, but no, we can't figure out what the cause of a problem that... that and basically, a hundred years ago was even unheard of, and now, of course, we can't figure out that with all the things that we've done in industry, that there's a there's a cause to this problem. I mean, it's it's evident. It's it's so clear. You know, you talked about aluminum as an example before we took the break, and mm-hmm. you talked about how aluminum is an adjuvant and how they use it uh, to create a hyperimmune response. So it creates the aggravation of the neurons and then the of the um, uh, immune system, excuse me, and then that's supposed to create a better immune system or immune response to whatever the whatever the virus the antigen the they is. try to throw in there, right? Right. Whatever the yeah, whatever the the flavor of the day is that they're trying to uh, create a response to. But you know, <clears throat> just think about how preposterous this is, because we know that the metals like aluminum, mercury, all these different substances that are used as adjuvants, we know that they're side effect is immunosuppressive. So let's say that I take a substance that I know is going to irritate you, but it's irritating you while decreasing your immune response. Okay? The whole mm-hmm. theory is that you, it's kind of like when you're taking paint off metal, you want to take sandpaper and rough it up Actually, let's put it this way. When you want to put a new coat of paint on metal, you want to rough up the existing paint with sandpaper so that it causes a little bit of disturbance in there, and now the new paint will hold on to the old paint, right? Yes, yes. It's it's the same type of concept where they're giving this substance to cause an aggravation of the immune system. The only problem here is that the immune system that they are aggravating, and it does aggravate it, it also is at the same time suppressing it. It's not aggravating it and making it more responsive. It's aggravating it, but it's actually all at the same time immunosuppressive. You take any type of individual, any type of physiological uh, system, you know, whether it's a human, animal, whatever. You uh, even take a plant, for example, and you put aluminum or you put mercury, you put that in the soil, you're going to have a suppression of that plant or of that biological system's ability to protect itself, to, to render itself um, less prone to whatever the environmental conditions are. Okay, mm-hmm. soil that has heavy metals, higher heavy metals, the plants don't grow as, as, um, as well as something that has a high, rich uh, mineral content, correct? Yes, yes. So it's the same thing over here. We're giving something supposedly to stimulate the immune system, or to ag- I'm sorry, not stimulate, to aggravate the immune system, and it is aggravating, but it's actually causing a suppression of that very uh, humoral uh, and cellular response system. 
So right, and, and wouldn't wouldn't we want? I mean, if if you think about uh, protecting children, you say we want to strengthen your immune system. We want your immune system to work better. But what you're saying is that by aggravating it, it's not necessarily strengthening the immune system or making it work better. Right, the aggravating it is just making it uh, aware, making it aloud. You know, like being, like yelling at mm-hmm. somebody's ear. But that doesn't mean that it's yeah. also going to stimulate their hearing to get better. It's like saying <laughs> let's do something loud, and it's going to stimulate your hearing to get better. That's not true. You can yell in somebody's ear, but you can actually deafen mm-hmm. them, and that's what's actually going on here. Yes, it does cause an aggravation to the immune system. That's true. But it doesn't cause an aggravation which results in a hyperimmune response. It causes an aggravation that's one, but it's also immunosuppressive mm-hmm. in itself. So you're actually causing an ag- uh, uh, immune response, depression, while aggravating it, which is why these kids end up having all these other problems. Yeah, and of course, this is happening at younger and younger ages, as we heard. You know, people in their 50s, much less 40s, now showing signs of Alzheimer's. And of course, we see kids in the autism spectrum. You are a man of many analogies today, Dr. Batar. And I'm still, I'm still loving the one you did about the auto mechanic. You go to your mechanic, he goes, I have no idea what the problem is. I can't even think about what the problem is until you give me a lot of money. Then, meh, we'll see what we do. And that's what the Alzheimer's researchers are claiming to Seth Rogen. You know better, I know better. We know better together here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Advanced Medicine Monday continues. Chemotherapy, radiation surgery, which one of those three things actually enhances your immunity? I'll ask Dr. Batar about that, too, on the other side of this break. Stick with us. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Uh, Alzheimer's, and I brought up the issue of autism as well. The other end of the so-called spectrum from an age perspective, uh, is are they related? I mean, is it possible? Uh, also, I want to rec- recommend that you go to, and we have it linked up in the show notes today, uh, autismdefined.net. This is going to help gear everybody up that's coming, and I hope you're planning to, May in Chicago for the Autism One Conference. Dr. Batar and I will be there. We'll be talking more about that as well. Dr. Batar, relationship, am I, am I stretching something here that has to be massaged into reality, or is there a link between autism early on and this Alzheimer's later on? You know, Robert, I don't know how you do that. You, you know the answers. You know the answers for the, over a decade, and yet you pose, the, you pose the question to try to make me look better than I, than I can or do <laughs> by pretending like you don't have the answers. <laughs> I'll I don't you, know. I'll answer that. You know... Uh, <laughs> You know that it's the same thing. You know we we've discussed this also. Um, the the difference between autism and, the, and Alzheimer's is the way that an individual is exposed to the poison. So, an autism patient has basically an acute exposure during a key developmental period of the brain, versus an Alzheimer's patient has a chronic, insidious exposure over years that affects a brain that's fully matured already. So the only difference is the developmental phase of the brain at the time of exposure and the chronicity versus the acuteness of that exposure. That's it. There is no other definition. There's no other difference at all whatsoever. Autism and Alzheimer's is by definition the same exact thing with the exception of when in the development of the brain, it was expo- the individual was exposed to the mercury and the age of the individual when they start having the symptoms. If you take a time machine, you take a child that has autism, you take them back to the, you, you, you 
let's say a child that would get autism, let me put it that way, or a fetus that's in the in that developmental stage and you're now starting the baby's born the first day on the planet you start to hit them with vaccines let's say before you hit them mm-hmm. with vaccines you take that same child put them in a time machine advance them 75 years into the future and if they would have autism if they were to develop autism from exposure to the vaccines and such they would have yes. alzheimer's 70 years in the future you take a patient that has alzheimer's right now put them in a time capsule take them back 70 years to the time that they were born, expose them to all the vaccines and the maternal amalgam mm. load and all the other exposures that they uh, are exposed to during that key developmental phase, they will end up having autism. It's the same exact thing. It's mercury. It causes denudation of the neurofibrils, and we have, you know how many kids we've treated with autism. We haven't done nearly as many patients with Alzheimer's because we just don't have patients coming to us for that, but the few patients that we have had coming for other issues, we have been able to resolve their issues and allow them to get their power of attorney back. Like you said, not in the future, but right now, and it's already happened. We can even say past tense, so that's an important uh, consideration. Super Don, you need to get a hold of Seth Rogen and let him know what Dr. Batar just said and have him listen. Now, we're going to go to the phones here. Uh, By the way, Robert, not to cut you off, but just so you know, Mm -hmm. uh, in front of the U.S. Congressional Subcommittee on Human Rights and Wellness in May 6, 2004, actually, we get coming on to the 10-year anniversary of that congressional testimony that I gave. I said the exact same thing to the respective members of Congress at that point, and they all afterwards came up and talked to me about that very aspect, because we were talking about autism, but I made the comment about Alzheimer's, and they all had an interest in that. And you outdrew uh, Seth Rogen tremendously, because you had a packed house when you were uh, uh, testifying. Uh, Unfortunately, Seth had only a few sleepy congressmen that were listening, and only two. Uh, let's go to the phones now. We have a caller. I can't read that on the screener, but uh, Super Don, if you can bring him up. Caller, uh, are you there? You are on. If you are, you're on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Go ahead, caller. Uh, yeah, I'm here. Um, you know, I, li- I like Dr. Butter. I follow him a lot. He's normally dead on, but one of the things he said today was that autism is a cute disease, and man, there's just nothing cute about autism, Dr. Butter. Is Butar and and he said acute, not acute. Well, that's what I'm saying. It ain't cute. Who is this? This voice sounds familiar to yeah, me. Yeah, I think it's Ty. <laughs> is that Ty? <laughs> Ty Bollinger, you sneaky little thing. What is that, Ty? Look at you. But the thing is, he's not trying to joke. Though he's serious. Though he really thinks that you know it's not cute. So I understand that, Ty. Thank you for pointing that out. It, it's not cute. <laughs> You're right. And he, and he thinks on, you're made of and, he, and you're made of butter, <laughs> Doctor Butter. <laughs> like we like we really need this infusion of uh, wait a second. Who allowed the riffraff to be pulled in anyway? I think he snuck in. Uh, well, you it's were, like you he's were like I've t- when the show started. Oh, were you? Yeah. Well, I was, and 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 Doctor Batar was. You were not. And Ty, I think you're you're taking a bad example for me sneaking into Braves games or something. You know, I don't know, man. They only let riffraff sneak into the Braves game, so I guess we're both riffraff, according to Dr. Butter there. Uh, we're going to have to well, get uh, Don to uh, up his security <laughs> features, you know. <laughs> no, seriously, seriously, well, fellas, the, um, that yeah. distinction that, that Dr. Butar just made is really good. When we were up in North Carolina at the uh, at the, the conference, uh, the Advanced Medicine Conference in uh, July, I think it was. He brought that up that the only difference between autism and Alzheimer's is it's just really the age. It's the it's the length of exposure, but it's, they're really very similar type uh, neuro, neurodegenerative diseases. And 
that was the first time I'd ever heard that. I'd never really put the pieces together that they're very similar because of the, the uh, heavy metal influence in both diseases. Well, the other aspect is that there was there was a the Journal of Alzheimer's Research. There was an article that was published a number of years ago by a uh, friend of mine and uh, a New Zealand researcher, and he was talking about the APOE aspect, which is traditionally seen as a marker of cardiac disease. And when you look at the APOE, uh, you can have either a two, a three, or a four from each parent. So you can be a two, two, a two, three, a three, three. Uh, two four, three four, or a four four. Now the four four combination has a tremendous difficulty in eliminating mercury, whereas uh, two two has the easiest time exp- uh, basically getting rid of the mercury. And uh, research was looking at Alzheimer's patients, and they were using the APOE as a predictive value, and they found that people that were three three four or four four had an incidence of autism, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like 70, 75% chances they would have Alzheimer's by the time they were in their 60s. Versus if they were two twos or two threes, it was only like a 14 or 15% chance. So there's been research already done to show the association with this APOE, but APOE is specifically uh, defining the ability of the body to get rid of mercury. And it's the same issue, I'm using the same markers in autism. I've got over... 2,000 data points or looking at APOE in patients. Now, of course, this isn't something we redo like the metals. We've got over 8 million data points on looking at the different types of metals and different vectors from hair, urine, fecal, RBC, toenail clipping levels, etc. And now with the recent advent of the legal scan, even, the, even um, skin uh, levels using, um, using um, light, using light mm-hmm. to determine the level of metals and, and minerals. But when you look specifically at mercury and the ability of the body to excrete it in Alzheimer's, as has already been published, and now you correlate that to autism, it's, it's a, the same thing. 3-4, predictively, is going to be a child that's going to end up having a much, in fact, I'd say 85% of the kids I'm treating are either 3-4 or 4-4. Four, mm-hmm. four. Maybe Dr. Dr. Bichar, a 3-3. There's a there's a new article out, and I don't know if you've gotten to see it yet. It says new clues emerge about why autism is more common in boys. Mm-hmm. Now we've discussed this, and they want to say, oh, it's a genetic, 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 but they never talk about non-excretion or inability to excrete mercuries and other mercury and other heavy metals. Yeah, actually, first of all, that's not new information. It's been out there for God knows uh, at least ten years, um, and we know that testosterone is an exacerbating factor. Th- testosterone with Thimerosal makes the thimerosal four times more damaging. Just like adding antibiotics uh, to the um, uh, thimerosal will potentiate the mm-hmm. effects of thimerosal. So testosterone and antibiotics will exacerbate the effects of thimerosal. Believe it or not, estrogen here is protective. It reduces the effects of thimerosal. So we end up having a four-to-one ratio of males to females because of the natural hormonal cascade that you know is initiated in boys versus versus girls and that's the biggest reason but as far as um the non-excreter phenomena of course nobody looks at that but the apoe is one of the most one of the things at least that we look at and has been shown mm. now based upon the data that we've collected it's one of the most predictive components as far as the ability of the child to excrete there's other ones too methyl yeah. reductase enzyme deficiency the glutathione transferase issue the comt um, polymorphisms so there's a number of things out there that will help to contribute uh, to the inability of the individual to excrete but the apoe right. is a very good screening predictive value
Dr. Batar, last segment, I, I had asked you about um, uh, enhancement of the immune system via vaccines, and you talked about it aggravating it, not enhancing it in any way. And I asked a, a, another, you, you talked about softball questions, sort of. I asked a softball question of, uh, of Ty Bollinger when we were at our ca- cancer conference over the weekend in Atlanta. And I, and I asked him, you know, which of these three will actually enhance and strengthen your immune system, chemotherapy, radiation, or surgery? And I want to ask you the same question and see if you and Ty agree on this. So uh, which one of those will actually enhance immunity? Enhance immunity? Yeah, make you stronger and better. Your immune system's going to rock and roll because of it. Chemotherapy, radiation, or surgery? Trick question, isn't well, it? Radiation and chemo, you know, <laughs> there's, a, there's a philosophy that if you can tease the system and, and waken it up, in fact, that's how yeah. hydrogen peroxide works um, when we give hydrogen peroxide intravenously. It actually potentiates the immune system. But chemo and radiation are definitely going to be suppressive. If I, I mean, I yeah. would say none of them, but if I was going to it, say any one of them, I'd probably say probably the surgery um, because radiation, chemo. Now, I, I mean, if you did it in like minuscule homeopathic type doses, then maybe. Right, but how, how many oncologists do you know that are teasing the immune system this way? They're destroying it, are they not? It's like I mean, napalm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the point. And even surgery, which we know may be warranted in certain cases where there's no other option, it's not necessarily going to enhance immunity, at least in the short run, because it's an assault that's, that the body has to recover from. Uh, well, let so me, let the me point talk of, about surgery for a second. Actually, surgery can be immuno-enhancing um, if you look at it from a debulking standpoint, because when you debulk the system, you're going to reduce the burden, the tumor burden, so the body doesn't have as much to fight. So from that basis, it could be immuno-enhancing because it's reducing the burden on the immune system. Look at you, Mr. Detail, Dr. Detail, Dr. Rajiv Bittar with us here doing some advanced medicine. We'll be back. Ty Bolger might stick around for a comment or two or just to annoy uh, Dr. Bittar. We don't know. We're going to find out. Check it all out, robertscottbell.com as well as medicalrewind.com. Back with Dr. Bittar after this. The revolution will be broadcast. The Robert Scott Bell Show. There is some good news on the Justina Pelletier case out of Massachusetts and Connecticut, but we won't have time to go into it today. You can link it up in the show notes and read up on it. We'll follow up uh, this week as well. Uh, we got Advanced Medicine Monday and uh, party crasher Ty Bollinger, who we do love and, and, and adore, although Dr. Batara will not admit it. <laughs> but you guys, I love and adore before you got me. family, to... but not him. Not him. Okay. We got we to set that party, stage party right. Crasher, you, you call, he called me a party pooper. <laughs> no, but, you know, that's a positive thing. The crasher, not so, but the pooper is good because we cover a lot of poop jokes on the air, you know. Detoxification. Yes, detox, elimination, exactly. Uh, Now, you you guys, this is an incredible letter. And before, uh, Dr. Batari, you introduced me to Ty, you guys had a thing going on, didn't know about it. And uh, there was a great letter going on. They called about uh, before there was B&B, and it isn't bed and breakfast. They call it Bollinger and Batar. What was this letter? Somebody found out about you, Dr. Batar, through Ty's book, Cancer Step Outside the Box? Yeah, but this is just recent. This was only about couple of weeks ago, I think, that, that that's the letter you're talking about, unless Ty sent you something from before, but this was just recently. A yeah, he just, sent, 
Yeah, this is from about a month ago. 77 years old. 77 years old, stage 4 cancer. Yeah. But, but this wasn't before you were introduced to Ty, is my point. that This letter was just from somebody that oh, wrote okay. it a month or two ago. Gotcha. So, so the the gift of healing is is, is just ke- it keeps on happening in a contemporary current kind of status. Yeah, actually, I think they read Ty's book, and in the book, I guess there's a. I think Ty, you have a. I don't know because I've never read your book, so I wouldn't know. But uh, <laughs> you have a chapter in there about Abby, right? Uh, well, yeah, I've got. Well, I've got a whole chapter on you and the the uh, the, the uh, toxicities and your treatments. And I've also got a chapter on vaccinations, and, oh, right, and there's right. about three or four pages that spotlights Abby. Right. I think this is one of the older mm-hmm. editions where where there wasn't as much in there. But anyway, they'd read the book, and um, they they were empowered by the book, and that's one of the reasons that you know I've liked the book. In fact, when uh, I had I sent Ty a, a video of Burton Goldberg talking about Ty's book because uh, Burton had seen it sitting on my desk. And while I was with a patient, I had to go in with a patient. When I came back, Burton was sitting there and had gone through the book over the last hour. And he said, this is a really good book. You know the author? And I lied to him. I said, yeah, he's a friend of mine. And uh, oh. I said, can you, <laughs> Burton, do me a favor? Um, if you like the book, why don't you let me, let me get my IT guy in here and let him just shoot some video of you talking about the book. So he did that. He was happy. And Burton won't endorse something unless he really likes it. And he made a little video, a couple, like a minute long, you know, and saying what he thought about the book. And I sent it to Ty saying, what did I say, happy Hanukkah or something? I can't remember what I said. No, you said Ty, <laughs> the, subject of, the subject line of the email was Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, that's right. That's right. Okay. And um, so anyway, in fact, I think Burton's going to be interviewed by you in your cancer uh, DVD series, right? He is, yeah. I've been corresponding with Burton today. I'm going out there to California end of April to interview him. Right. So I think that's how it kind of started. We had we had some people that had – I actually still have Ty's book that I give mm-hmm. to all new cancer patients that come to a clinic. Um, they get a copy of that book, and they get a copy of the book by my good friend Patrick Quillen, Beating Cancer with Nutrition. And, uh, and then, of course, we give them the nine-step copy. But that's basically their homework, their primers, if they will, on reviewing and I find it to be empowering for the individual so that they are, it's almost like plowing the field and preparing the field for us to sow right. the seed that will then sprout into a healthy, you know, tree. But there's so much fear, there's so much unknown, there's so much uncertainty that has been already ingrained into them just from the words that you have cancer. And that's yeah. one reason beating cancer with nutrition, you know, cancer step outside the box. It, it gives them that hope that they need in order to be able to see another possibility. You can't achieve yeah. the extraordinary if you can't even conceive of it in the first place. It's like what we talked about those researchers with Alzheimer's. How are they going to even figure out a solution if they don't even know where to start? So we want to give people a place to start to develop their hope and to see that there is another way and there is another approach. And not only is it another approach, it works, and it's worked over and over and over again. It's actually a Real law. quick, Dr. Batar. Yeah, real quick, Dr. Patel, on the dietary things we talk about for cancer, beating cancer with nutrition, Ty talks about it in his book, there's probably not a whole heck of a lot of difference you would do for someone coming in with an Alzheimer's diagnosis in terms of diet. They would still need to do the same thing, the thing that causes cancer, also heavy metals in a big in a big way. Yeah, from a dietary standpoint, you know, you want to stay away from sugar because th- that is an immunosuppressive. You want to uh, try to keep the carbohydrate level low. With somebody with Alzheimer's, for example, the biggest things are really... As far as from a 
nutrition standpoint, you have to be concerned more about inhalation of mercury vapor and getting the flu shot than you really have to worry about diet. But if you're really concerned about diet, yeah. you don't want to eat tuna, you know, fish that has high levels of mercury and that right. kind of stuff. All right, well, very good. Send this hour to Seth Rogen. Somebody, if you know Seth Rogen, let him know. We have just reversed Alzheimer's with Dr. Rasha Batar. And the bonus, Ty Bollinger here today. Both of you guys reminding each and every one of you out there on planet Earth that the power to heal Robert Scott is Lawson. yours. Scott Bill Show.